This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I am sitting here with my lovely co-host, Meredith. Meredith, do you want to say hello to everyone? Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. So, yeah, happy Friday to you as well. The um, We're going to walk into a few topics, specifically, you know, when you might be exercising too much, how that might be harmful for fat loss and things of that nature. And so we'll get into that a little bit. Um, not a whole lot of things going on right now. It's February, so it's kind of one of the middle time, right? Everybody gets super motivated in January. Um, we do have uh, a few free trial uh, open spots, uh, you know, that are available. So if anybody's looking for um, or, or trying to move from kind of a bad approach that they may have tried a few weeks ago and move to a little bit better approach with a coach, um, we can help with that. Um, uh, we do have the new book coming out, which is going to be really interesting. We're probably a month away from seeing that. So be on the lookout for that. I'm pretty excited about that. We are spending a lot of time working on the assets for that, not just the book, but the book is actually written um, and rewritten. Uh, we actually added a chapter on habits uh, through uh, Susie. So that that's, uh, I think, going to be pretty exciting for people. And then Brad and I sort of rewrote um, the, so the basic idea for the book is that, um, you know, people will often say, like, what's the, the, the big picture view of Eat the Reform? Like, how do I end up where I want to go? That's what this book is, right? And so it walks you through, and then there'll be, you'll have the ability to, to purchase case studies which actually talk a little bit about how we coach various clients differently. So be on the lookout for that. Um, we're actually coming up with some really cool, cool case studies right now. We've done some of those in the past, um, but the ones that the ones that we're seeing right now, they're a little bit different, and you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. It you know for the people that end up purchasing those those case studies, but it, I think it's going to be a, a really good addition because you one get the overview of what the book is, but you also get, you know, kind of this, um, you know, more specifics, right? So, um, so there you go. Pretty excited about that coming out. This the first book that we put out in four years. Has so, it been four? Yeah, it, it's, it might not be that much. Um, but uh, it's pretty close. It was a while. It was a while ago. You know, I, I've actually done a lot of stuff where I've gone back to to post. We one thing that um, you know I didn't really talk too much about. There was a few things that actually happened this week um, that that were pretty interesting. Um, one is the six year anniversary of each reform. So, uh, you know, if you, I mean, the intent of each reform when I first started, it was not to start the business of each reform, but it was pretty obvious that there was a lot of demand for it. And so the real business, you know, started, you know, probably six months to a year later, I would argue that the real, real business is actually only started in the last two, three years where we had the app, where we've got 
you know, 60 coaches on staff. And so it just sort of depends where things are, but you know, or, or how you view it. But from my standpoint, you know, having, uh, you know, hitting those milestones is um, pretty cool on a, on a personal level. Um, I, I don't, apparently I don't let matter to talk this, uh, this podcast. <laughs> I'm just trying to get all the procedural stuff out of the way on a personal level. Um, my sobriety date, you know, kind of came and went and, uh, it's been 32 years for me, um, which is, you know, it's kind of like this weird, you know, I've kind of jokingly talked about it in the past. It's like, uh, you have this anniversary of not being a fuck up, you know, um, <laughs> And so, so it's like 32 years of not being a fuck up, you know. Um, well, con- congratulations. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because, you know, I'm seeing a lot of stuff on social media about um, different ways to approach sobriety. It's kind of interesting because um, the way that I got sober was not, you know, it's not, it's it's a little bit like weight loss, actually. Right. Yeah. So the, the alcohol economics model is very similar to Weight Watchers. Um, right. They, they, they're, they follow the same 12 step principle and meetings and, and things of that nature. And, and what we now know is that both of those models have a very low success rate. Um, and so as an example, you know, I usually now I only go get like pins um, on my. Um, uh, Big, like 30, 30, yeah, like 30, yeah. 35, things of that nature. One of the things that was kind of interesting is my daughter was talking because, you know, I, I've always wanted my kids to go to these meetings to see that that was a thing in my life, you know, that they haven't seen. Right. Right. Um, but you know, now that my daughters are older, you know, my, my oldest daughter talked a little bit about how it, it, it feels like a lot of pressure on her, you know, to, um, kind of live up to that standard of, you know, um, you know, she's an 18 year old, you know, she's in college, you know, so, so for me to think that, you know, she's not, um, you know, going to have a beer, you know, that's not reality. And so she mentioned that, that she felt that pressure. And it's interesting because um, I'm not convinced that the way that I got sober is the way to get sober. Right. Um, And actually I've seen some really good evidence on, on how to get sober that um, intrigues me a lot. Um, and, and kind of backs up how I actually got sober. So one of the things that was interesting about my sobriety was that I was a a zealot. I mean, like the first five years, I'm going to every meeting I could possibly go to, um, which was funny because um, if anybody's ever ever been in this thing, and I know I know sometimes you know when you talk about sobriety, it makes people feel uncomfortable. I would really hope that as you're listening to this, that you understand that I am not one of those judgmental sobriety people, right? And and I want people to understand that there's a lot of people that think like me. I don't think that if you've ever been through AA and maybe you didn't 
didn't make it, listen to what I'm about to say, right? Because I don't believe that just because you went to AA or you went to Al-Anon and then you weren't a teetotaler, you know, that it means you failed, right? Um, I don't personally view that as a failure necessarily if, in fact, a person's life, you know, was affected positively and they were able to change. And I can tell you to this day, you know, when my wife's having a glass of wine, you know, I, I there is that temptation. The only thing that stops me is because I've created such a great life. So that's actually the part that I wanted to talk about. Right. The research that I've seen is really not about, you know, kind of. I know that I know there's a lot of people that that go to AA and and, you know, it's a big part of their life. And I'm not suggesting to you that you should stop going to AA. Right. Um, I did. But that does not mean that you need to. Right. Um, so you do you, you know, I just did what worked for me best, right? So this is what worked for me best. After about five years, I stopped going. And the reason why I stopped going was because I never really found um, the right type of meeting. Now, I did find, I did, interestingly enough, I do come from, you know, like most alcoholics, um, I come from a family of alcoholics. and the meetings that resonated with me the most were Al-Anon meetings. And it would just be like these, you know, wives or whatever. And I started going there um, once I started counseling people. Right. And uh, so, you know, the level of counseling that I was doing at that time was really more support for the actual, you know, psychologists and psychiatrists and stuff like that. Um, so I was more on staff, but we had the most interaction with those clients by far. Yeah. Right. And it was like, you're, you're kind of faced with this decision once you start working in a treatment. And I know a lot of, you know, Hazelden is here, right? So, and Hazelden and, and, you know, Betty Ford kind of merged together. Mm-hmm. So those are two kind of well, most well-known treatment facilities. and you know, I know a lot of people that have worked for Hazelden and Betty Ford and, and what they will tell you after working there for 20 years is that it gets exhausting, right? Oh, that sure. You're kind of always held to the standard and, you know, it's, it's very, you're, you're, you kind of live in this world that is all sobriety all the time. And if you think about it realistically, you're bringing a lot of that risk people into your life all of the time. Right. And so, so if you want to call that drama, I think that that's safe to say that drama, you know, comes with those types of situations. Cause I, I remember when I first got sober, I was a raw nerve, you know, and and people would still say, you know, you seem like a raw nerve now, you know? Um, And, and it's not, it's not quite, as bad as it, as it would have been uh, before, right? right? But but here was the kind of the big takeaway that that I landed on, um, because as I started to build my support system of my wife, you know, her family, 
um, friends that I know. Uh, like as an example, one of the things that they'll talk about with alcoholism is that, you know, not everyone can relate to what your situation is. And I think that there's some truth to that. But I can also say that I've gotten more um, clarity related to my emotions and my feelings from conversations I've had with my wife, from conversations that I've had with friends, not all of which were sober. In fact, you know, kind of always having that conversation with, you know, kind of the raw nerve people, you kind of always get the raw nerve response. And it was always interesting to see me to see like who these people that built like this great life and and how they did it and why they right. did it. And that's the emerging science. The emerging science is, you know, um, you know, like the, the, I think the guy's name is Jonah Hari, but you know, uh, he talked about sobriety and, and, and judging sobriety by whether or not you've ha taken a drink or not. Um, and he said that the, the success for sobriety should not be attributed to whether you've had a drink or a drug or not. It should be connection, right? And that the cure, the cure for addiction is connection. And I've talked about it in, in podcasts before, but he talks about this study of heroin addicts, right? And, and okay. they did a mice, a mouse study where, the the mouse the mice were living in kind of like dilapidated conditions there wasn't a lot of stimulation you know there was like this blank cage and the only option was heroin water and every single mouse died right in the study as i recall as i recall the story um but then they had another experiment with mouse mice with more stimulation you know female mouse, male mouses, you know, like, yeah. you know, kind of doing with female yeah. mouses. And, yeah. And so you had like this connection and you had wheels and grass and, and all the things that mice like, and some mice still did die. Right. Um, but the majority of them did not. And I found that really interesting. And when I look at the success that I've had after that five year period, you know, I just started to kind of instead of of focusing on my sobriety, I started focusing on my life, you okay. know, and um, and that was really the big ticket item, you know, mm -hmm. um, and and building that life. And so when I look when I look at wine now. Right. And and have that urge to have a glass of wine with my wife, you know, I just look at the consequences that could potentially happen because of, you know, the life that I've built. Right. right? And so I, I think a lot of it does kind of come to, you know, the life that you build. So we spent way more time on that than <laughs> I expected. Of course. Okay, you, um, you wanted to tie that into weight loss, I think is where you were going with that. How? Well, I think that weight loss is similar, right? Yeah. Um, and I do believe that that that's similar to the way that we built Eat to Perform. 
it's really about the connection that you have with the community, the connection that you have with your coaches, the connection that you have with yourself, right? I mean, I really should have started with that one, that the connection that you have with yourself. So, so, I mean, once again, it's going to be a controversial statement, but you know, that just kind of is what it is when you're talking about the things that you believe. Right. I don't personally believe that I was a victim of alcohol or or drugs or that I have a gene that makes me more like that. Right. I think that what happened to me through various, you know, psychotherapy and, and things of this nature that, you know, I've been able to talk through is that there was this hole in my soul that I filled with with drugs and alcohol. Yep. And I think that um, I think comparing that to food doesn't always feel right. No. You know, like like my experience with with food and problems as it relates to food was not similar to, you know, alcohol and drug addiction, unless you look at, you know, the steps that you create in your life that allow for habits and bedtimes and all those things that actually matter. So like what ends up happening is that you have kind of this hole and you do all these things, you know, that are shortcuts to the hole. In that way, it would connect to food. Um, and I think, you know, it's interesting because there was a study that came out this week that's been being talked a lot about right now um, related to processed foods and, and um, intuitive eating, right? And in the study, the um, participants, you know, there was there was whole food participants or, or unprocessed food participants and then processed food participants. And some people are arguing that actually the, pro the unprocessed food was actually kind of processed. But I think that that's sort of missing the, 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 the bigger idea. <laughs> the, the bigger idea of the study was that the processed foods people gained weight and the unprocessed foods people did not when intuitively eating. And there's a lot to be said about about the study, and I'm sure it'll be debated a lot. And I'm I'm pretty sure that a lot of people are going to make false assumptions related to the to the unprocessed food side, right? So right. they're gonna go, okay, well clearly just eating you know chicken and kale, that's the answer. It's like that's not really what the study is talking about. What the study is saying is that if you're just going to intuitively eat, I would argue that you're probably going to intuitively undereat, so therefore you're not going to gain weight, right? If we're talking about unprocessed food. If you're talking about processed foods, I mean, do you really think people were just like downing Doritos? Because that's probably <laughs> not what was happening, right? They're in a study related to weight loss, fat loss. So my suspicion is that that they were going to be a little bit conscious of that. You know, I ran that by Brad. He's like, well, there's ways that they can kind of kind of deal with that. I was like, I just don't think you can factor in Buffalo Wild Wings. Right. <laughs> and, and and he's like, well, yeah, but what the study is saying is it's not the Buffalo Wild Wings effects. It's the it's the effect of. It's the it's the small little things over time that matter the most because the people gained you know just a sh you know only like two pounds right. the the 
the processed food eaters. And and the point being is that that not being aware. This is one of the reasons why when people say, um, you know, I don't I don't like to weigh myself. I have a bad relationship with the scale. You don't have a bad relationship with the scale. You have a bad relationship with the expectation of what you want the scale to say. Right. Exactly. Yes. And and so what ends up happening is that if you're not conscious of the scale at all, right, and, right. and you know, studies definitely have shown that people that weigh themselves daily are more conscious and do control their weight better, right? right? Now, I would argue, similar to this study, that, you know, they may overcorrect, right? And, you know, there's issues there as well. Like one of the things that wasn't addressed in the study is what if you're 80-20, right? Where right. where you're you're having <laughs> some level of unprocessed foods, but you are being specific where you are tracking your intake and things of this nature. And I'm sure that'll be one of the future studies, right? right. But um, I think, you know, kind of kind of just tying all of it in a bow the it's it really does get to the point of you know like in in the case of building this wonderful life mm-hmm. but you're not completely abstaining from alcohol or completely abstaining for drugs doesn't really allow for maybe some of that emotional stuff that you might need to kind of punish yourself for bad behavior. Right. And so, so like what happens for a lot of people, let's, you know, move it from alcohol to drugs. I mean, when you're not having a beer and your weight goes down, you go, Oh, ding, ding, ding. It was the beer beer. Well, yeah, it probably was the beer because you could consume a lot of calories, you know, at that point. But what happens once all the beer is gone? What are you doing at that point, right, to to kind of get to that next level, right? right. And so, um, you know, the problem with building like this amazing life where you have joy in your life, every YouTube performer can relate to this, is that you don't have the naughty and nice list, right? So you right. don't, you know, I mean – Please don't take this the wrong way. (laughs) But if you're an alcoholic and you can live in a black and white world and you can say, I took a drink and my life went to shit, right? It provides this like fake clarity that might not be real, right? Like, couldn't it also be conceivable that you could have had a, a decent life, even though you were deemed an alcoholic? Like, couldn't the circumstances of your life have changed a great deal? Now, this is, once again, one of those things that, you know, if you live in a black and white world, you're like, right. I knew if I took one more drink, I was going to die. Well, I didn't, right? I was 18 years old. You know, and and there's still a lot of thoughts that I have. And once again, I want to really emphasize here, I'm the success model there. I'm one of the very few people that actually succeed. 
You know, the numbers are obscene. It's like 98.9% people relapse, right? You know, all I'm making an argument for is an area of gray, right? But get, bringing it back to food with Eat to Perform, you know, I think every Eat to Performer has probably snuggled up to, I just want to eat salad for the week, right? <laughs> because, you know, when you're eating a little bit more flexible, flexible and maybe you've overtrained a little bit that week and you're dealing with a little bit more inflammation. Maybe you, you've been a little bit higher on sodium and things of that nature. That's what the coaching does. It walks you right. through all those little specific moments. And it's so easy to go to the good and bad model, right? right? Um, and once again, I'm not saying that there aren't people out there addicted to opioids or heroin or things like that, where those things um, don't need to change. But for those people to have some level of recovery, because there's a lot of people that are actually, and I mean, I've seen this in my life many times where um, someone you know, gets off of heroin, but they can have a glass of wine, yeah. right? Now, to Meredith, that might seem like the most, you know, obviously, right? But yeah. you live in my world of sobriety, there's no difference between the chemical related to wine and the chemical related to heroin, right? Right. Because those are mood-altering. But are cigarettes mood altering? Right? I mean, so now all the is coffee mood altering. Now all of a sudden we start to dig into the areas that okay, those are safe grounds. Right. It's like, well, right. there's some there's some science on that side too. And so so my argument is not my argument is that sometimes, you know, there has to be room for a gray area right. with food, with alcohol. And and that that can get a little bit difficult, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's so much easier to want to kind of punish yourself and say, you know, I, I just need to eat chicken and kale. That's the only thing that works for me. You know, it's like, well, you know, there's a lot of gray areas to that. And so that's why we have coaches, right? And when you look at the most successful people as it relates to body composition, performance, things of that nature, they all use a model similar to eat before, right? right? You're not using the naughty and nice list. Almost nobody gets there with the naughty and nice list. Almost no one gets there and stays there with Weight Watchers. The people that get there and get to where they want to go have some ebb and flow to their plan, Mm -hmm. And they allow themselves some gray, some gray area. Right. They allow themselves some grace. What were you going right. to say, Mark? Well, you had mentioned that, you know, how you have coaches in some days. You, you said almost everything. Just to, I just have to use an example. So, um, I, you know, I weigh myself. I've been weighing myself regularly. I got off of not I, – I, I'm one of those – I don't – if I'm not in a real strict fat loss phase, I don't do it every day. I will weigh, you know, once or twice a week. Um, but I'm – gearing up to possibly start another one here before too long. Um, cause I'm not doing the open. That's a whole different story. But, um, the, so I was talking to a friend because yesterday I've had a really hard training week. Um, I'm a little bit 
got a little bit of hormone thing going on. Um, I've also had with the training and trying to hydrate and some things that I've had going on. Um, I drank a thing of Pedialyte yesterday, which is high, high sodium, super high sodium. So I was talking to a friend this morning because I got on the scale and it was not what I, you know, it was that moment that even as coaches, even those of us that have been doing this for a long time, like you said, you got to give yourself a little bit of grace, got on the scale. I was like, really? And then I was talking to a friend and had the same conversation. I'm like, you know what? This is what we tell people. This is my, I know what it was. My sodium was up, this and this and this. And So let me ask you a question. Was it two yeah. pounds or five pounds? Three. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, because it's interesting because the reason why I asked is I want people to know that you can swing three to five pounds. Oh, like, easily. Like, easily. I, I was, but I was... Early, there's there's a whole different story last week I was actually up quite a bit even more than this but I'd come back down so for me to be back up to three but again I've had a lot of inflammation issues then you get the hormone issues then you get the sodium issues and um and it's fine and I talked myself out but the thing where I was I had a point I had a point <laughs> the thing I was saying is you have to allow like you said a little bit of grace I know that that connection for me knowing you know talking to coaches talking to clients knowing that those things happen, it's not the end of the world. Like it's not, you know, well, I don't I think beat myself I, up about it like I used to. Yeah, I think that's why, you know, I'm kind of making the case for the gray area. Yeah, right? that's what I'm saying. There's um, a lot of gray area in there. I didn't, you know. Yeah, because, because, you know, we see this all the time. All the time. Where someone in a situation similar to what Meredith just described, up three pounds, right? Getting a little uncomfortable, kind of living in the gray area, not mm -hmm. allowing for grace, goes back to naughty and nice list, oh, right? Yeah. And then comes back and they're like, I didn't lose any weight. I know I was under eating. And what yeah. do I do? A right? couple years ago, the first thing I would have done was be like, okay, chicken and kale all week, or, you know, that, that you know, that's what I. Yeah. That's what I would have done, you know, a couple of years ago. I would have just cut that and known, you know, I have a birthday coming up. We're having a party. I have this dress I want to wear. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, that three pounds will mess with my head just a little bit, or it used to. And um, I used to go. You know, we were supposed to start our second fat loss phase. Um, and then now, you know, we're, we're kind of debating on the open, and that's what talk about yeah. here in a second mm -hmm. um but you know we were supposed to start the second phase of phase fat loss and there just was like a lot of things that came up in our life that yeah. really make sense to do that yeah and so so we're kind of on pause here for a little bit and so um what we decide on the open um will maybe determine that a little bit um yeah. Things are starting to, to kind of settle in um, a little bit more. You know, I don't know. It's just been a lot of weird circumstances. You know, we had the polar vortex here in Minnesota, which was yeah. really bad. Um, and then at that same time, a dog got really sick. You know, and it's like sometimes you have to kind of plow through those moments and still do it. Yeah. Right. There's time, you know, to right. manage your weight. Um, but, um, you know, I think for both my wife and I, we, we're not at, at 
at that extreme stage. Actually, you know, um, because I'm able to, this is the one thing that I think a lot of intuitive eaters do wrong. Um, one, they don't weigh themselves enough, right? right. Because they don't really want to know and they're kind of scared that it's going to be up. And then when they do what, when they get what and you is, said, right. basically it's just salads all the time. Yeah. You know, so and then they get, like, so, so they, they kind of, they're kind of in this teeter totter mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they just constantly one week they're in salad mode. Next week they're in Buffalo wild wings mode. Um, <laughs> yep. and, 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 and so, <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, you know, uh, there there has to be a better way with that. And you know, in 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 the study, you know, it, like I said, it would be really interesting to see what an 20 model where the yeah. people were specific. They have actually done a similar study to that, but it was related to um, low fat compared to um, well, it was re- it was related to low carb versus the standard American diet. And ironically, um, when all factors were the same as it related to, to calories, there was no difference between low carb and the standard American diet, right? Yeah. So you can actually look at that. That was actually covered a lot in the last couple of years. Um, it was just Google low carb and Kevin Hall. And you'll see some things on both sides, right? Um, obviously, the critics that are all super pro low carb you know, complain about the study design. The study design was fine. You know, um, it just right. didn't support their particular opinion. You know, but the one thing that is actually starting to come around is that, you know, low carb advocates are actually starting to admit that calories do matter. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know how that how much that moves the needle one way or the other. But, you know, for, for our standpoint, you know, we'll customize things. You know, I mean, a lot of people will often think of um, us as high carb when we're actually more moderate carb. Right. right? And a lot of people think of us as low fat when actually we're actually moderate fat. Right. right. Because right. most most high carb people don't see us as high carb and most low, you know, most high fat people don't see us as high fat. You know, right. so, you know. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, that that's actually one of the best parts about the, the book that's coming out, right, is is it's not about, you know, what you're eating and how you're eating. It's about having moments where you're not dieting. In fact, long moments where you're not dieting. Right. And in those long moments where you're not dieting, you have to push calories up and and it becomes harder to do that with super high fat because super high fat stores as fat easier and does not convert, you know? So like, as an example, carbohydrates are going to provide more fuel for your muscles. So when you go work out, you're going to have more energy to work out. Um, And so, so that's why we tend to lean a little bit more on that side, but we will customize things the other way too. Right. It just depends on, it depends on the individual. So that's a good transition to talking about adjusting your volume and when that makes sense, right? right. And, you know, I wanted to talk about this a little bit. Um, specifically, you know, you mentioned the CrossFit Open, so I, th- I think that that would be a good thing um, to kind of bring up here. Um, for those that don't know, um, 
this is the CrossFit Open um, at the normal time it is throughout the year. Next year, well, actually this year Next in year. October, there's going to be another CrossFit Open um, that will be kind of this year-long um, thing related to CrossFit that sort of emphasizes more local events. You know, I'm thinking of Wadpalooza. I'm thinking of the Granite Games. I'm thinking right. of I am thinking of um, there's just a lot of different um, ways to kind of get the CrossFit brand out there. And so that's the model that they're looking for. And they're kind of looking to emphasize CrossFit health, which, you know, I don't want to get derailed on that. But, mm-hmm. you know, they they emphasize things on the low carb side, which to me does not feel correct for a highly glycolytic sport. Right. Um, but, you know, this might be one of those things that CrossFit ends up not being flexible on. But over my 10 years within CrossFit, they've been pretty flexible on stuff. When they, when, when, you know, like when I started, there was no scaling the wa- the, the open, right? Um, either, you either did it or did, you know, and, and they changed a lot on that. And now they're geared more towards the scaling, right? And the scaling people are more encouraged. And, and I think, so, I think they're really trying to go back to the basics, back to not, what I'm seeing and what we're seeing is kind of a trend in CrossFit where they're focusing more on, you know, the normal person, the normal, not your, not your real high level elite athletes. I think that's what they're kind of bringing it back to. So I would be interested. I'm really interested to see the workouts and stuff for the open this year because yeah, me I, think too. They're, I think they're kind of bringing it back. I don't think there's going to be like crazy complex, I think it's going to come back to a lot of the basics and a lot of the basic movements, you know. Well, so. first of all, let's be clear. They're not coming back to jack shit, or, right? Like like everything yeah. since day one was right. always geared towards the elite athlete, right? Yes. In, fact, in fact, in my gym, you know, the, the when I say my gym, I don't mean the gym that I own. I mean the gym that I go to. Yeah. In my gym, it was always – the elite athletes, the top of the people in the gym were the people that you aspired to be right. and you work to get to them. Yeah. Right. And they set the examples and the wad set the examples and then you just modified until you get to them. Here's the problem with that. I'm not that much better than I was 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've, there's things that I excelled at greatly. I still cannot do a bar muscle up. I still cannot do a ring muscle up. I still cannot do double unders as an example. Um, And CrossFit is doing this, you know, I I think it's the right move, right? But CrossFit isn't doing this because, you know, they feel this overwhelming burden. I mean, maybe it's all about the good feels, I don't know. But it's also good for business. Absolutely. Right. I mean, like they want to get regular people into CrossFit gyms. And I do think that that's the right move. And keep <laughs> regular people in CrossFit gyms for that matter. Do you know what I mean? Because that's a lot of regular people are. And then, yeah. so I guess I said bringing it back and that's that you're right. That wasn't even because it never was, but it's bringing it, I guess, focusing more on the regular 
athlete, the normal athlete, if you will, and not the elite athlete. So yeah. I think it'll be interesting. I'm seeing the wads. I mean, the wads are different. Like, I'll give you a great example. Yesterday yeah. was um, the wad that we had yesterday was front squats. It was your weight, whatever, you know, it was 50% yeah. of whatever your one rep max is. So that's a that's a good workout. Personal. Um, and then it was a nine-minute wad that that obviously you could always modify. But, you know, the gym that I go to two years ago, three years ago, they kind of got into like 30-minute wad territory oh. like every day, you know? Yeah. yeah. And now what you're seeing them do, and I think that this is a little bit of their reaction to what the marketplace wants, but it's also a reaction to what's coming down from HQ. Mm -hmm. You're seeing a lot more two minutes than two minutes of rest, right? You're seeing a lot more um, where the athletes can can sort of adjust. I mean, the one thing that that – you know, in my CrossFit level one, I am CrossFit level one certified, though I actually never recertified, didn't need to. Um, but one thing that actually came up was that whenever you're in kind of like one of these wads that, um, you know, is a nine minute wad or a four minute wad, those are the ones that should really scare you because those are the ones that you go all out on, right? Oh, yeah. And, and you so, end up with that brain cough at the end. <laughs> like yeah. And so, like, so like a, you know, a um, 30 minute, um, you know, airdyne for um, max effort or 30 second airdyne for max effort with, um, you know, one minute rest. The person's actually going to give all out. Yeah. Right. And that's that's where an all out can be relative, you know, like in my. You know, like uh, in the wide yesterday, it was six pull-ups. Um, and, and, and I, you know, once again, this is sort of like the, the alcoholism thing, right? The minute you start talking about CrossFit, there's a lot of people that just shut their ears and like, oh, I don't want to talk about CrossFit. Look, I'm not really talking about CrossFit. I'm talking about volume. I'm talking about changing, you know, what you do and how you do it for where you are at that moment so you can get better at exercise. Cause at the end of the day, the whole point of exercise should be to get better at exercise so that as you're improving, you can use that work capacity to reach your end goals. Right. Right. And so, you know, it was six pull-ups. Um, and so I was able to do the six pull-ups unbroken for all nine minutes. Um, and then in between we had shuttle runs and in those shuttle runs, you know, was I all out on shuttle runs? No, that was the part of the wad that I, you know, modified. That's right. probably the best way to say it. Is is that I modified? Was I was I like you know basketball you know suicides? No, not at all. <laughs> you know, um, and then and then it was twelve kettlebell swings at one and a half pood, which is like what you know fifty four pounds or something like that. Yeah. You know. So it was, you know, um, and, and I was able to do that unbroken. So to me, you know, like looking at that workout and, and going unbroken for that, that piece and then not having to modify those pieces, that was good for me. I felt yeah. really good about that. And we're still 
you know, debating about the Open, mostly because there is going to be another Open in October. Yeah. And it feels like this year is sort of truncated and it's kind of like this, I don't want to say, you know, it just doesn't feel like what it's going to become, right? Okay. Um, and, and, and being pretty cool with, with John Swanson from the Granite Games, you know, we're looking at presenting um, with the Granite Games and potentially having a relationship with them long term and possibly going to other events like Wadpalooza and things like that nature. Because I like the idea of kind of like this year long celebration as opposed to this couple weeks celebration right. where it's like really intense and, and things of that nature. Um, the problem that we run into, you know, this is a, a, a heavy time of year for me at each perform. And so, you know, kind of crushing it going into the, the, the open, I've never had a good open, right? right. I've never had, because, because of the business, you know, um, we're doing a lot of work around the new year. And so, you know, when you come in mid-February, you know, I, my volume's not back up to that point. So I'm kind of really excited about having it be in October, which is actually pretty light time in, in terms of, you know, each perform. so my wife is probably trying to talk me into to doing the open. I used to be the one that said, you know, hey, if you don't do the open, you're not a CrossFitter. And I still <laughs> believe that, right? Because I believe that but my basis for that was that you don't have to be a gym killer to do the open. That right. that really is more about the community. If there's any one thing that I could say, you know, there, there's a, in my mind, you know, I mean, you know, Meredith's CrossFit trainer. Um, the uh, CrossFit comes with a lot of warts, right? Like like the constant low carb thing, the 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 wild shifts in terms of what they believe and what they don't believe can be very hard to kind of handle as a client. The one thing that they've always done right that has been amazing, right, is the community, is the local level, right? And, you know, my experience at my gym, you know, if they took CrossFit off the wall, it wouldn't make a difference to me one way or the other. It really is those people. In fact, you know, I mean, the programming right now, I actually do like a lot. Um, I've had my issues with the programming in the past um, that I did not necessarily feel was my right approach to be better for my goals, right? Mm -hmm. And so I ended up leaving. Right now, it's a much better fit for my goals. But at the end of the day, even if it wasn't, you know, I'm sort of in this mode right now where it's really about being around family, right? Right. It's really about, you know, kind of tying it back to the original conversation of the life that you're building, the people you're surrounding yourself with. And at the end of the day, if there's another gym that's three blocks away that might be better than the gym, with all my people that I've known for the last 10 years, I'm sticking with the people from the last 10 years. And it doesn't matter what the cost is, right? right? It's just just the value to me is those people, 
right. you know, and yeah. and I've experienced similar at powerlifting. Um, my bodybuilding, it, it was not similar. You know, there were conversations that you would have with people, but most people have their ears in, you know, um, could have been the location that I was at. Maybe that's it. You know, right. just did not seem was not a great connection for me. I can see where that appeals to a lot of people, but just right. was not a great connection for me. Right. Um, so my, and, go, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, you kind of talked about your, your thoughts on the open. And I actually haven't done the open the last two years. And it doesn't seem like I'll do it this year either. The two years ago, I had rhabdo six weeks before. Last year, I broke my foot in February. And then this year, um, I mean, I'm ready physically and stuff. I'm ready. I just, we have a big event at our gym. We host a big event. We make it a big deal every Saturday night for the whole open. And the owner of my gym and his wife, who usually, you know, they do it, they run it. They've got other things. Um, um, Carl has gymnastics meets that he'll be gone for. And his wife, her work ramps up. She does these play, you know, she's anyway. And so she, her show starts the week before the open or something. So basically I'm running the open <laughs> event yeah. at our gym this year. And it's just a lot. It's a lot of work. If I do it, if I actually sign up and do the open, I'll do all the workouts eventually at some point. But if I actually yeah. sign up and do it, it won't be at that event. It'll be on my own or like, you know, with someone else. And so. Well, that's what a lot of people might not realize is that even though I might not sign up and pay CrossFit the money, you know, the Saturday workout is always the, the open, open workout. So yeah. I'll end up doing all the open workouts no matter what. But like you said, we have kind of this, you know, I know some people call it Friday night lights. They call yeah. it Friday night lights, you know, um, it's, Saturday, it's kind yeah. of the same idea for me personally, you know, my daughter has drumline. And so, you know, the issue is that, you know, like tomorrow, as an example, you know, it's in Buffalo, Minnesota, which is like an hour and a half from here. Right. Um, you know, you you go hour and a half, the events like three, four hours, and then you drive back for an hour and a half. And then the day before you did, you know, the CrossFit Open. Right. right? And it's like, where is my relaxing time for the weekend? Right. There isn't one. You know? Yeah. Um, and so so that would be the reason why I wouldn't do it. I think my wife is is in the mode of like, hey, look, buddy, I've done it all six years. I'm still doing it. You know, um, I I've missed I missed last year. I wasn't you know the member at at that gym because I was bodybuilding at that point. But um, but yeah, I mean there there is an energy about it. You know, like you said, I mean that is the one thing is like you know. Okay, the community's doing it, but there's a lot of things that the community do, right? The community's doing another whack-ass nutrition challenge. I'm not going to be a part of that. Right. You know? um, and, um, you know, the, the nutrition challenges, you know, kind of depending on CrossFit gyms. We do have a lot of CrossFit gyms that actually do um, nutrition challenges through the form. You know, the challenges that at my gym tend to be a little bit more scattered. Um, not as, you know, not, <laughs> they've never been specific. Um, I, I just, I just don't believe that there is an interest at a high level on that, which is funny because in the last couple of years, I've talked to a number of people that 
are doing macro type plans that right. do undulate, you know, um, but you know, the, uh, the gym owners, you know, they kind of have their opinions, which is interesting because the, the, the owner of the gym or the previous owner of the gym did come, come to me and he's like, Hey man, you know, I just wanted to tell you that, uh, you know, um, your, your, your program was suggested in two of those recent seminars that I went to because it was related to, um, being in the service and getting ready to be in the service. And, you know, Brad's name came up a lot and, and stuff like that. And, uh, awesome. but it's interesting, like on the one hand, he'll, he'll, he'll see us represented in things like that and then kind of move to like this more naughty and nice list approach or are right. you drinking eight things of water? Not, not that, not that choosing, you know, we obviously help people with their habits as well, but habits, Habits is just like the first thing, right? Right. It, it, it's it's like suggesting to you that going through foundations is going to give you eight pack gaps. That's not how that works, right? What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. And so so it it's a progression. And so we really didn't get kind of get into that piece. So I'm not gonna you know maybe we can kind of talk about it a little bit more, but. We covered it a little bit talking about the CrossFit Open and, yeah. and for both you and I that it's optional. The reason why it's optional is because it's year 10, right? Yeah, the reason why it's optional, um, you know, in terms of kind of the, the big community event and things like that is that I've paid my price with that. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I was around for that community piece and there will still be people that are there for that right. and i'm just a gym member now right that's the one cool thing and that's really what i wanted to if you wanted to kind of nutshell it you know that's really what i wanted to talk about is that at a certain point working out just becomes working out and it's not always about getting better all the time yeah and you know for me that often looks like working three to four times a week. Right now, great example where, you know, busy time through eat to perform, lots of things going on, lots of stuff on my plate, book coming out, things of that nature. Um, so, you know, right now, I'm not going to CrossFit to try and get better at CrossFit, right? Right. Once things start to slow down, and like I said, kind of going into next October, I might be thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to really train. Actually, one of the reasons why I came back to CrossFit was just to actually be a part of kind of local competitions and things like that yeah. nature. Because, you know, every time I went to one, you know, it was fun. Yeah. Even though, even though, you know, even when I wasn't CrossFitting, I was still cool with all those people. I was still yeah. – go to their events i would still root them on and i always i always knew that i still pined for that right yeah and so i think i think one of the things that happens for people and this is you know kind of tying once again into the broader discussion is that if you're looking to have gray areas that aren't so black and white you know yeah. that adjusting your volume and yeah maybe adjusting your food a little bit lower 
you know, is something that might make sense, right? right? Now, when I say lower, I don't mean fat loss lower. I just mean not quite pushing performance to right. its ultimate extreme, right? Yeah. And so, like right now, you know, my macros are right at about 3,000, yeah. you know? And, and for a lot of people, that seems like a lot. Well, I'm still pretty active. You know, I'm still CrossFitting four times a week. You know, the worst case scenario might be three times a week. You know, even even like during the polar vortex, you know, I was still getting 10, 12,000 steps because, you know, I'm on the phone a lot. And so I'll walk around while I'm on the phone. So I'm still conscious of of that kind of thing. So I don't really have to, you know, just Lower. chicken and cat. Yeah. yeah. Um, to kind of have that piece. So anyway, um, we'll end on that note. Um, you know, Meredith, I'll kind of give you the last word on that. You know, it could be long and short as, as you need. I know Meredith <laughs> has something to get to, so I have a feeling this is fairly short. Well, I just, yeah, I mean, I think that lowering, not pushing, when you're not pushing the performance, which is, um, where I've been the last couple of months, so I'm not pushing the performance, but I haven't been in fat loss. I've been, you know, with a lot of going on, I'm kind of like you, there's been days here and there that I've been hit and miss last couple of weeks. I've been back to it pretty hard, but yeah, I lowered my food down, not fat loss. I wasn't, you know, real strict fat loss or anything, but I, I lowered that down just to keep things, you know, to adjust for my volume, I guess is what you were saying. And I, I feel like I've recovered. I had some, you know, little injuries and things that were just tweaking, bothering me and, that's all coming back. And I feel like now I'm pushing the performance. So again, trying to decide if there's going to be a fat loss phase in there or not. I'm in the same kind of same boat as you. I was supposed to start a second phase and it just didn't happen. But um, you mentioned, you know, that competition piece too. And I've, I've kind of gotten that I haven't competed in over a year, but I did sign up or I haven't, we haven't actually signed up for it yet because it's not open, but I'm doing one in June. So I have a, a partner competition that I'm doing in June. So yeah, all of that, just giving yourself a little bit of grace with that gray area and knowing that you don't have to be a hundred percent all the time, pushing that performance every minute or, and it's actually not good for you. It's okay to back off on the volume a little bit and um, give your body a little bit of rest and a little bit of break. And, and if you ever want to hear more specifics on that, you know, go to some of the previous podcasts we've had with Meredith and I, where yeah. she talks about her experiences with rhabdo and, oh, yeah. and kind of it too hard when she probably should have listened to her body a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, so we'll end on that note. Hopefully everybody has a, has a great, um, great weekend. If you're, if you're looking for more podcasts, um, check out the building blocks. Those guys are crushing it right now. The the topics have been really intriguing. Um, they did one. Uh, it was it was kind of the top ten ideas that we've kind of learned along the way as coaches. Yeah, I, and, it was good. Uh, yeah, that that one was really good. I mean, they they've really been crushing it with all the topics lately. So give those a listen, and uh, hopefully everyone has a has a great weekend. And for all of us in the north or or Midwest. Hopefully this cold spell ends so We're we can kind of get back to normal. It's Snowmageddon right now. That's where I'm headed to take. My daughter's got to get her tonsils out this afternoon, and it's an hour drive to the hospital, and I'm a little concerned about getting there and then getting home. So yeah, got, my daughter. Right. I know. I know your son just yeah. started driving relatively recently, yeah. and so did my 17 year old. And I, I felt bad for her because she said, "She's like, you know what? I wish." 
I wish I could just drive like a teenager. Like I, you know, like I dreamt of driving when I was taking the test. Yeah. And she's like, but right now you're driving on the ice and stuff. You're just so fearful, you know, and so conscious. And so, so hopefully we can start to see spring spring. here. Yeah. Yeah, So, and we will appreciate spring this year. Yes, we will. (laughs) All right. Everybody have a great weekend and we'll talk to you later and and good luck with the the tonsil surgery. All right. Thanks, Paul. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.